The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the new wave of change that is emerging in our world today? What does it look like? How will it reshape our collective future? We see more and more women are making a rapid rise to the top, taking over leadership of their countries, influencing social and political decisions on a global scale. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine with host Gina Lazenby. This is a movement that is putting the feminine values of compassion and collaboration back into the economy and our world. Everyone and everything is being affected. Our conversation starts now. Here is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine. I'm your host, Gina Lazenby, and I'm delighted and honored to be a champion for this fascinating conversation. Not only are women rising in the world today, but feminine values are also being increasingly expressed more openly in men and women. Last week, I had really great conversations about relationships in three different life phases. I do encourage you to listen to the podcast as it was a great show. I'm really grateful to Susie Heath from the UK talking about the challenges for couples in later life. Rene Piane spoke of the Wonder Woman syndrome of female executives in the USA still single in midlife. And finally, Jack Myers gave a compelling intro to the insight into the viewpoint of young women under 25 today whose different aspirations are affecting the next generation of men. If you missed the show, then do check out our Rise of the Feminine Facebook page, or you can hit the podcast button on your smartphone and search for Gina Lazenby. Now, today, we're going to look at the period of time when girls are most influenced. It starts early, then when girls get to maybe just under 10, they have more access to social media and they arrive in their early teens. And as they they get older, they move into that in-between child-woman phase. Now, I don't recall that as being an anxiety-free part of my own life, but it seems today that there are huge pressures on young girls, made even worse by technology. I think there are many things that a lot of people are very unfamiliar with. In The Rise of the Feminine, I'm interested in the journey that we each make as individual girls and women to the point where we move away from being influenced and wake up or something or someone wakes us up and we realize we have power, we have a voice, we have real choices, we can determine our life path, we're in charge. When you become the influencer in your own life, it's more difficult for you to be influenced in a negative or disempowering way. Now, waking up looks different for everyone and happens at different ages. But there comes a point in the girl or woman's life when she gets it and understands her power and she can influence the world and she can make a difference. There are some signs that this is happening earlier and earlier in life. In the teen years that we will focus on today, this is when a girl's self-identity is least formed and is most impressionable. She will be most affected and influenced 
by external messages, which I see coming from five main sources, you know, from parents and family who act as their role models through what they do in life. It comes from schools. It comes from peer groups and friends. come from magazines, television, movie, all the mainstream media. And the source which the parents have the least knowledge of is the internet and social media. And this can be the most destructive. All those different sources are piling in with their messages when a girl is very young and vulnerable and the destructive power of social media can really diminish a girl's self-esteem and stop her from building a strong sense of self. Now, all this inquiry started with my admiration for the work that my friend and colleague, Jane Kenyon, has been doing. She's a fantastic coach for entrepreneurial women, and she created a charity for teenage girls. Not having teenagers myself, I did not quite get how traumatizing the teen years have now become, especially compared to my own minor traumas several decades ago. A few years ago, Jane invited me to what she called a big sister program in a secondary school as a business role model for the girls. And I sat with a group of teens, probably about aged 18, and it was quite terrifying. Three of them were reasonably engaged in the conversation and two were quite quite beyond my reach and would not speak. (laughs) It was only when one of the role model speakers talked about her absent alcoholic mother and nightmare family and how she overcame this to emerge as a successful songwriter that one particular girl opened up. She spoke and shared how she identified with having an alcoholic and absent mother herself. My eyes were really opened then and more so since. So after I invited Jane to join me on the show today, I began to develop the program and think about who else to talk to. The subject just got darker and darker and to the point where I felt I've been traveling in the underworld. So my focus today has been to look at three interventions and initiatives that might give us all hope for turning this situation around and helping teens navigate the world and create a different future. So let's get started with our first guest, which is Jane. As well as being a coach, she's a serial entrepreneur, author, audacious commentator, she calls herself, a campaigner and a female champion. For the past 12 years, she's been facilitating mindset shifts and personal transformations with both adults and teenagers. She founded Girls Out Loud in 2010 after piloting a program for 12 vulnerable girls in Blackpool in Northern England in 2009. She knew she had found her next act. Her legacy through Girls Out Loud is to embed a more empowering mindset in girls that in effect inspires them to think big, reach for the stars and make better life choices. Hello, Jane. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine. Hi, good to be here. Jane, now you have been doing a lot of coaching work with women over the years, but more recently you've taken on, I say taken on, you created a project called Girls Out Loud, where you mentor and support young girls. So just tell me a little bit what the inspiration was. What have you seen to be the modern problem with teenagers that you felt you needed to create an intervention? Mm -hmm. Well, as you said, Gina, I have been working with women for quite some time. Um, Probably about six or seven years ago, I started to get quite a bit uncomfortable with what I was seeing in that kind of young woman uh, scenario arena and it came at me from quite a few places so 
Um, a lot of women that I was coaching or I had coached asked me if I would coach their teenage daughters who were struggling with um, choices and boyfriends and eating disorders and mental health issues and so on. So I did that for a while. That opened my eyes even more. Then I was invited to speak in schools to talk about my journey as an entrepreneur, as a female entrepreneur. So I started to do that and got even more upset uh, with what I was seeing happening in the classroom. Oh, wow. And then I got invited to speak at several big conferences for teenagers, teenage girls and boys. And that kind of sealed it for me because that was probably the first time that I'd presented to a big group of teenagers, about five and a half thousand. And I saw the impact that my story and um, my journey had had on the girls. And so I was inundated by schools and asking me to go in and work with their girls. And so I developed an intervention program um, and I piloted it in one school and it was kind of a baptism of fire. So all the things that I've been talking about, I was now faced with in 15 girls. So things like self-harming, which now has reached epidemic in the UK. So now one in four girls will self-harm before they leave school. Before, in the, in the, before they leave school. Right. And what age are you talking about here? You're talking about 11 uh, to before 16? Before they're 16. Oh, before okay. they're 16. Mm-hmm. So generally, uh, epidemic in secondary school. So from 12 to 16, uh, one in four girls will self-harm. Um, not only the, the, in the self-harm area, the depression and anxiety, there are, there's a research that come out even this week saying that girls are now three times more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety than boys. Now, that stat has always been the opposite. Boys have always suffered more with depression than girls. We're now three times more likely. Um, So, you know, the mental health services in the UK are really struggling with this. They're not set up for it. Um, You know, if you've got a girl in a a school that's self-harming, she's not likely to get a counselling appointment for 19 weeks at the moment. So it's horrific, um, so that's just in the, the kind of mental health arena. Put on top of that, eating disorders. Yes, I was going to say eating disorders have been there, Absolutely. Mm. Um, put on top of that, girls seeing their only value in their appearance. So everything is about how they look. Um, you know, I, I talk about um, secondary schools sort of resembling nightclubs. It's all about what you look like. Um, it's not about being clever. That's not cool. Um, it's not about having an aspiration. That's not cool. It's about how you look. Really? Um, you say it's not cool. You mean cool. in their own female peer group? It, it, and, it, among in, boys? The whole thing among their peer group and among boys. Mm-hmm. It's not cool to be clever. Now, there has always been something around that. Because, you know, you remember when you were at school, the brainy girls weren't necessarily the cool girls, were they? No. So there has always been that around, but it's it's intensified now really? because their whole world, that the, the world that they live in, they're surrounded by this toxic media. Mm-hmm. They're surrounded by role models that come from reality TV, and it's all about appearance. They're surrounded by, um, you know, we've moved into a, a a multi-billion dollar industry of cosmetic surgery, and, and that's normal to them now. So they think it's quite normal that they can change their appearance whenever they want. Wow. It's easy, isn't it? You just go and have an operation, don't you? You just go and have Botox, you do this, you do that, because that, that's who their role models are. You know, these girls have grown up in a, in a 
a, a decade where we've seen the smartphone technology. So they live their life through their smartphone. We've seen reality TV become the number one influencer for girls between the age of 14 and 16. Uh, we didn't have reality TV. Nope. And reality TV is fake. Yeah. But they think it's real. They think it's real. So we've, we've got this real changing um, environment that they're attempting to grow up in. And they may want to look a lot older, but they're still little girls. They're still emotionally, they're still little girls. Um, and they're very vulnerable because of that. So we've got um, lots of stuff happening on social media that is very scary that we see every day. Stats came out only two weeks ago that say that <clears throat> the NHS is struggling to cope with the level of teen girl suicide. So teen girl suicide has trebled in the past nine months. In, in, the, the, in, in the UK? In the UK, yeah. How are, so, parents, how are parents coping with this? I mean, Well, I think there might be an element of denial going on. Really? Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> what you don't know doesn't hurt you, does it? Um, so I think a lot of what happens at school, I don't think a lot of teenage girls and boys for that matter talk to their parents about that. I mean, when I think about when I was at school, I don't think I spoke to my mum and dad about what was going on at school. I didn't tell them. No, I didn't, <laughs> no? I didn't tell them. Absolutely. I didn't, looking so, back, there didn't no, seem no. much to tell. You know, I can remember having a, you know, it's all so innocent then. I don't know how old I was when I, mm. you know, boyfriends versus dolls or <laughs> whatever. Yes, <laughs> I think he, maybe when I was fourteen, I had a, girl, a part, birthday party where there were all girls there rather than yeah. you know yeah, going out too. to the pub. That, you know, I have this conversation all the time, Gina, with women who say to me, you know, when I talk through these stats and and you know, and I, I say well, what's happening, you know, one of the biggest things that we've done that we are in denial about is we've mainstreamed porn. It is one of the biggest issues that's mm. happened for young people mm. and we've only done that in the past again 10-15 years mm. so all these things have happened and we are now seeing the results of them when we didn't even give it a second glance when we did it yeah and it, you didn't got, even give it a second glance you've got to have this joined up thinking to realize that you know you might put uh, ratings on things and leave people to choose when they're older but young people are getting hold of things aren't they there's ratings they get it on their smartphone yes, i mean there are boys as young as 11 addicted to porn you know there's some stats that came out about six months ago that show that boys look at porn at least 34 times a day on their smartphone so forget forget the uh, the films you know, that's irrelevant. You know, everything's happening on their smartphone. And I have this conversation with women all the time that say, oh, well, you know, it was, was no different than when we were young, is it? You know, we all had teen angst. We all had boyfriend issues and we all wanted to be slimmer. So we were all talking about our weight. And you know what? Yes, we did. But you have to bear in mind there are some massive, massive shifts here. Mm. So, you know, when I was that age, when I was 14 and I'm 52, you know, I had like pictures of pop stars on my bedroom wall. Yep. You know, David Cassidy was my man of choice. I had Robert Redford. And I'm a little bit older. Robert Redford for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on my wall. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> David Cassidy. But for me, you were either a David Cassidy yeah. girl or a Donny Osmond. Oh, David Cassidy, definitely. And it was David Cassidy for me. <laughs> That's right. You know, my, my reading material, the only thing where I was getting any cues on what it was like to be a teenage girl was Jackie magazine. Mm -hmm. So I'd moved from Twinkle to Jackie yeah? how tame was Jackie when you yeah. think about what they're reading today yeah. you know I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do when I grew up that's no different than it is today um, I did have some concern about my weight I, I did think I was fat 
And when I look at pictures of me, I didn't have a single bit of fat on me, but I did think I was fat. Um, and I did struggle to get in my size 10 two-tone jeans. But the way I struggled was I just lay on the bed with a coat hanger. Of course. You know, I didn't it, cut it? myself. Yeah, yeah I no. didn't I didn't starve myself. No. Um, you know, I wasn't in pain. I wasn't yeah. angry. You know, I just kind of found a way to do it. And, you know, in terms of sexual imagery, the only sexual imagery I actually saw might have been the odd naughty TV program. Mm. It was on, on, late on night. the four channels that we yeah. had, yeah. Which might have been, been something <laughs> Yeah. It might have been something like I Claudius, a historical <laughs> You know, but there was nudity in it. And yeah. I thought, brilliant, I'm watching that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the other big thing, that when school finished at half past three, school finished. When I walked out of those school gates, no matter what had been going on in school, it finished and I went home. And I never thought about it until I came back into those school gates at nine o'clock the following day. Now, when you think about what's happening now with teenagers, they have this thing called a smartphone and it never turns off. So their whole angst about what's going on in their peer group and with exams and with aspirations and with eating and with how they look and all the rest of it, it never goes away. They get absolutely no break from it whatsoever. It's on permanently. So Jane, um, what is it that you've been able to do to pull them back from this you know self-harm and all the challenges and, and bring them back to a place where they maybe can cope better what have you been doing yeah so um in 2009 i piloted an intervention program for a group of girls and i asked the school to give me the girls that were literally falling off the edge these were girls that were very disengaged coming from very complicated home lives lots going on in their life but were bright that, you know, that had a spark, but they just didn't know how to um, get to it. The school were failing to, to get to it. So I worked with those girls for six months and I learned everything that I needed to know. And then I developed um, several intervention programs to work with girls that are around 14, I would say. When we first started Girls Out Loud, which is a social enterprise that I run, we were working with girls who were 15, 16 We've gone younger and younger every year wow. uh, because these things are happening younger and younger. So we now work with girls that are 12, 13. And if it continues like this, I'll be working in nursery schools. In the oh, next my goodness. Um, so what we do is we, we run our, our core program is a mentoring program and it's called Big Sister. Mm. And the idea of big sister, I think everybody should have a big sister. Yeah. And so a big sister is somebody that's been there, done that, got the T-shirt, is comfortable in her own skin can define her own success um, and is ready to give back to support a 12 to 13 year old girl um, through everything that she's going through for 12 months. And so we select those women and we train them um, and then we connect them and match them with a girl and they work together with us on a very structured program for 12 months. Wonderful. And um, we're all about helping that girl find her voice. And so what happens when they've been through that program? What do you see yeah. happening with the girl? What well, I know what that looks like because I've been doing it a long time now. So I know what a girl that, that's found her voice is. The, the word that you and I would use would be empowered. So she's empowered. She makes better decisions. Um, she surrounds herself with more positive people. So she'll change her peer group. 
um, she'll be aware of the, the toxicity around her. So she'll, she'll be aware that that's fake and, you know, that Kim Kardashian doesn't really look like that, does she, miss? And, you know, she'll be more conscious about what she's looking at and what she's seeing. She'll be able to unpick it better. Um, she'll have more confidence in class, so she's likely to put her hand up more. She's likely to take more risks. Um, she's not absolutely in fear of failing because she knows that that might be part of her journey. She has some sort of aspiration. She knows that she's capable of achieving something and therefore she'll start to think of that because aspiration without self-belief, it doesn't happen. It's just a dream. Mm. Well, because we've worked on her self-belief for 12 months, she starts to open up a bit more. She starts to think about what she wants to do. She performs better. She shows up. So she doesn't just perform better in her academic studies. She actually shows up and engages. Mm. So I can't tell you how many girls have been on our program and by the um, final school year, they're head girls because, you know, they, they put their hand up for things, they get more engaged. Oh, right. So we see it. We see it physically um, and we see it in their results and their attainment. And, you know, we just see the difference in them the way they walk in the room. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Jane, just before we go, because we, we're running out of time now, yes. just tell me how, you, how the program is funded. Okay, so what happens is those big sisters, those amazing women that step up, generally come from big businesses. Um, and those businesses sponsor their role in that being a big sister so that's how we end up funding the program so the school puts some money in sometimes the local authority puts some money in sometimes there are grants that we can apply for uh, but m usually 50% of that money comes from the corporate sector because the women that step up to be big sisters take as much out of that journey as mm. the girls do mm. because if you are holding somebody's hand and helping them become more visible and proactive and confident it's very hard for that not to sort of not back on you and so the same thing happens to them so when that girl puts her hand up in class and that 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 woman that manager puts her hand up at work so it kind of be, it's like a reflection it's like holding up a mirror and we can prove that we can show that and so we go out and talk to corporates about that program and we say this is what's going to happen to your female managers when you nominate them to come on this program and they go brilliant uh, we love that it's transferable skills in it met, they get to be mentors yeah, yeah we'll, we'll support that and that's we're always how we yeah we always get something out of giving don't we absolutely Jane, thank you so much what a, an incredible program and uh, you know what a plight for girls today but it sounds like you've got a great program there so thanks for joining us today Jane thank, thank you. you for having me thanks Gina and now we're going to take a quick commercial break and then come back and I'll introduce you to my next guest Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
You are tuned in to The Rise of the Feminine. If you have a question or comment about this program, please send an email to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. That's Gina at GinaLazenby.com. Here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome back. Knowing how powerful and influential the media can be with their messages, you can imagine that my interests were piqued when I met our next guest, fashion editor Sheila Single. We connected in Berlin in June at the FAMQ Feminine Intelligence event. She told me about her new glossy high fashion magazine in Paris where they are not photoshopping or touching up the images of their model girls and want to keep everything inspirational and real. So I'm getting hold of her on the phone today to give our country report from the world's fashion capital Paris to talk about her new magazine, Honoré. Sheila Single is the Honoré magazine editor-in-chief and co-founder. She has an extensive career in fashion editing, working with Lula magazine in London and Numero in Paris. Sheila was born in Germany, raised in France and Ghana. She studied fashion design at Studio Baco in Paris. Her work is published in Vogue magazines all over the world, as well as Harper's Bazaar and many others. Hello, Sheila. Welcome to The Rise of the Feminine. Hello, Gina. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me, because I understand that you're driving around Paris at the moment, although you did tell me you pulled in... (laughs) Yes, I pulled in. Exactly. I'm I'm, I'm parked in in the huge, quiet street. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, you know, uh, as I was saying, we met in Berlin. And when I spoke to you, you told me about your magazine. So I thought it would be interesting at this point to to look at Paris, look at uh, the fashion capital of the of the world. Really, this is where high fashion is. Glossy magazines all started there. It's kind of ultimate in style. And when we spoke, I was really interested to find that you had a a new take. You had this new magazine, Honoré, which I've got in my hand here. Listeners can't see it, but it is beautiful. And on your front cover, tell me who's on your front. Tell me who's on your front cover because this is very different. Who's on the front cover? So. We, um, our cover woman, not cover girl, is artist, South African artist Esther Malongu. Um, she is over 80 year, years old. Um, and we decided to have her on the cover because, I mean, she's a beautiful woman. She's extremely, um, talented. She's an amazing artist. And her natural style, um, just with the capes she's wearing and, and, and the colors um, she's wearing every day just felt perfect for us. Inspiring, you know, in, in, in any age. And a lot of young people picked up on it saying, oh, this is so different and beautiful. So we just felt, you know, she's exactly the kind of woman we want to feature in our magazine. So this is, I'm holding the first issue here and your next issue is coming out shortly in um, September, October, isn't it? Exactly. End of September, yes. Yeah. So um, what kind of magazine puts an eight, a fashion magazine puts an 80 year old woman on the front cover? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, we do, you know, because I mean, it's, it's all about realness, I think. And the first, um, the, the, we always have a theme of, of the magazine. So the first issue was the creation theme, uh, the creation issue. So that's not perfect to have Esther Malongu because she is, she, she creates. She's extremely inspiring. As I mentioned, she has this beautiful style. The second issue is called the real issue because we felt during 
you know, while we were doing the first issue, we thought, well, what do we want to express? And we want realness. We want truly to inspire people, uh, men and women, even if we're, the core team is a, is a women uh, team, but we just want to go back to, to what we believe in, and that means real, true beauty without artificial effects and, you know, without retouching or, or any of those things, just going back to being real. Yeah, that, that's, that's what fascinated me when you said to me you were this beautiful, high-glossy, uh, new fashion magazine and without the retouching, because this is the thing about, uh, you know, young girls. I remember when I looked at magazines when I was younger, many years ago, I don't think they had the technique yeah. of airbrushing then. <laughs> Maybe they did. But well, <laughs> in a way they did on, on pictures, but it was more expensive, more complicated. That's, All right. that's the only thing, you know. Okay, so the to paint on the on the films. Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe other kind of magazines I could afford, they didn't have it. But today, <laughs> today is very much an unreal, unreal picture for, you know, girls growing yeah. up, young women looking at the images coming back to them. It's not showing that realness where they're pinching in the waist and changing the skin. You're, you're yeah. then getting a message, aren't you, about aspiring to be something that's beautiful, but it's a manufactured beauty. So I just love this is, conversation, yeah. yeah. It is a very uh, artificial beauty, and it is the beauty, this, what you're talking about is um, extremely photoshopped pictures. That's a beauty that talks to, you know, I'm, I'm going to say the word mainstream, to, to the, the, the wide mass of young girls, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But if you look at um, niche and at more, um, you know, independent um Areas, or even if you look at now high glossy magazines uh, such as Vogue, even if they started it, you know. But now it's it's not it's not elegant anymore. All these um, all these uh, techniques of uh, shading and shaping the, the the faces. I mean, there's not an inch of, of um, naked skin anymore in the face um, of girls on Instagram right now. If you look at it, not on. All of them, but there's a, a trend that goes in the opposite direction, and if you that, that is totally for realness, and um, it's gonna eventually it's gonna arrive because every trend has always taken about two years to arrive in the mass, and now it's just uh, been you know it's arriving much quicker because of Instagram and all the social media. Oh, so what's gonna happen if you look at all the shows from big houses such as Louis Vuitton, Dior. Um, Sandy, have a look and you will see that the skin is pretty bare and they will just have one strong effect, maybe a lip or eye, but the skin is very nude. So I hope that we are, we are all going back to that because like the, the luxury market, they have never used that much makeup on, on faces, you know, for their campaigns. This is really something that has emerged suddenly with those trends of, you know, Kim Kardashian and all those people shading, but that's really not um, a barometer for elegance or chicness. Mm. It's, it's quite the opposite. Mm. Um, and more and more magazines are being very uh, conscious about the, the problem that there's way too much retouch right now um, in campaigns and they are backtracking. You know, they're, they're, they're taking off the retouch and now you're suddenly able to have you know, shapes and, and, and real skin and some wrinkles. So I think that this trend is already at 
you know, it's 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 over in the in the in the business. So it's going to take a little bit longer to be over um, with young girls, hopefully. So you're producing this edgier magazine, and you were telling me about in the glosses that how little room there is for copy, and that you're shifting that and having an emphasis on interesting editorial, which is appealing to yes. you know young girls to see the fashion, but also learn and uh, to, uh, hear about and something interesting. Read, yeah. yes, to read because. So, you know, the, the magazine um, industry is in a huge crisis. The paper uh, magazines are in a crisis, but the niche magazines are not in a crisis at all. It's quite the opposite. Because um, I think everyone is a bit tired of seeing the same contents everywhere. You know how a feminine press has basically every month the same content almost. They sometimes have the same cover girl and they sometimes even have the same outfit on the cover. Mm. So there, there is a, a, a movement of independent press that is very creative and takes a bit more time to do things. So they come out twice a year instead of every month. Um, they um, print uh, on very nice paper and, you know, the, Printing is much more expensive than printing of a, you know, of a commercial magazine. But what what we uh, saw and what was uh, missing for us—that's why we did our own magazine—was uh, that there is a lot of uh, visual content, but not enough, um, yeah, journalistic content. Um, words, <laughs> reading uh, experience was just totally lacking. So we decided. And, of course, this is always a challenge, you know, to get interesting content. Um, So we really wanted to have good journalism also on a niche publication Mm -hmm. and focus on people and um, men and women, but more women, actually, um, that inspire us. So even if we feature a male artist, he's going to be linked uh, to a woman, um, like, for example, Christophe Chemin, who has done the prints for the last two Prada collections. He's an artist. What so was the name again? Where did you get by, What was the name? His, his name is Christophe Chemin, and uh, he has been collaborating with Mocha Prada for the last two collections that have just shown. So that's the link we always find, for example. So we want to feature people that are artistically interesting, inspiring designers, uh, painters, um, choreographers, architects, but then we feature fashion and, you know, like the article we did with Silla Elvorsi, who attended um, the summit, um, to feature, absolutely, to feature um, women who have also a positive social impact, because that that is maybe where we are new to bring that in. No one, no fashion magazine does that, you know, and I feel those worlds are very connected, actually, and they can inspire each other. Mm. I feel that when I present the magazine. Yeah, certainly. Certainly when I was young and I was you know, growing up looking at the fashion magazines, there wasn't anything and there hasn't been for a long time of reading something about making a difference. And I do believe this younger generation is very keen on yeah look at the world they're inheriting and they're getting in their fashion magazines as you say these conversations they're leading them to think differently so and you're you're a group of uh, you're all women aren't you in your in your 30s yes we are 
The, the core team, absolutely. We're all women, um, and we met 13 years ago. And um, so we're, yes, we, we're connected by our values um, and our school because we all came from um, the school of Condé Nast. We all started at Women's My Daily and at French Vogue. So that that's what connects us. And I think these were different times, you know, mm. um, different times where magazines were not in such a big crisis. Mm. Sheila, thank you. Thank you so much. We've come to the end of our time. I've got your lovely magazine in my hand. We're not on TV here, but I will put a link to it on our, you know, Rise of the Feminine Radio Facebook page. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll put a link so that people can find out where to buy it because you've got quite a good circulation. So I'll put details on how they get hold of your next magazine and good luck with it. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you. And now we're going to take a quick commercial break and then I'm back and introducing to my last guest today. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to the Rise of the Feminine. If you have a question or comment about this program, please send an email to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. That's Gina at GinaLazenby.com. Here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome back. What's interesting here is the shift that's been created. Sheila talked about the freedom this group of young women have created for themselves by starting their own publication and setting up as a, a niche independent to give them a platform for their voice and their values. I think that's where we're seeing change happen. Rather than just lobbying the older generations who've been in charge of publishing for years, it's been hard to change the status quo by trying to convince the publishers to do something different. So one way of changing the messages and images that are projected onto the impressionable young is to support the game-changing ventures that the younger generations themselves start. And looking ahead, it's the next generation who are the ones to bring change. This is something recognized by the organization Global Girl Media. I noticed they recently had an event in Washington for teen girls called Girls Govern. They created a forum for young girls to be in charge of the message. I wanted to hear more about this, so I tracked down one of the founders and producers. And that's how I connected with our next guest, Kate Byrne. She's a leader in digital media and social impact for over 25 years. She currently leads Global Girl Media, the global media platform teaching citizen journalism skills, social media and blogging, video, etc., and leadership to girls in marginalized geographies. Her Girl Government Program, aimed at raising the issues and voices of girls in the upcoming election and its Bill of Rights, will be, will be included in this year's TED Women. 
Her roles as interim COO and chief growth officer for World Pulse, where she helped scale the 10-year-old global digital media platform using digital media to empower and train grassroots women leaders worldwide, proved to be helpful in making the Girl Govern program a success. Hello, Kate. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine. Hi, Gina. Thanks so much. Well, happy to be here. Great. Now, I know you're in New York at the moment, but you've just been in no, you've just been in Washington, haven't you, for this town hall meeting for the young girls. And that's what I, I felt was really interesting. So uh, tell us about that, um, the event that you've just had. So the town hall was the crescendo event of a six-month program that we had produced called Girls Govern. And the whole purpose of Girls Govern was really to give a safe space for young women to own their mic and bring their voices and concerns into the national dialogue. Right. Yeah. So this is the thing, isn't it? We've just been hearing earlier on about young girls influenced under such influence by so many different forms of media and they get a very unrealistic view of the world. So what is the age group that you're aiming this organization at and what are you hoping to do when by giving this opportunity with the mic? What, what, what are you doing with that? So the primary group that we focus on are those girls who are ages 14 to 22, but it starts as early as age six when girls start to see themselves as the potential sexual subject. Mm. So we really want to jump in and start um, giving them the opportunity to tell their story through their own lens as opposed to through the eyes of an adult. Mm. That is powerful. I mean, looking back to my years as a child, what voice did I have? <laughs> and it was about, you know, I remember the comics I was reading, Jane and I were reflecting on what we read as young girls and what we were influenced by. So what, what, what we're finding is that young girls are subjected to so much through social media and new technology that we have. So you, it seems you're turning this around and you're using the new technology to give them a voice. So where are you operating with this? What kind of girls are you taking this to? What opportunities? Where are we girls? really take, well, what we do is we teach the girls uh, and build their self-esteem through digital media. So everything from, everything from really using new media, as you pointed out. So for them, it's even Snapchat, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, but then we're also teaching them how to actually become young filmmakers. So sort of the more classic broadcast opportunities as well. And then we go into the written word in terms of blogging and articles and then distribute their content through. Uh, we have our own GGM Global Girl Media TV channel, as well as through other areas and other outlets such as uh, Huffington Post and more. Mm. How many girls are on the program and, and, and uh, what geographic areas are you working in with this? So over the, you know, Global Girl Media started in 2010. And uh, in that time frame to today, we've trained about 400 girls. We are now in five countries. In the U.S., we've got three chapters, two in the West Coast, one in the Midwest. We're looking to start one in the East Coast, obviously, especially on the, the tailcoat of the, the success of the Girls' Government Program. But then also uh, Kosovo, Morocco, Cape Town, and then we just recently opened one in your backyard in London. Oh, fantastic. And, and, and uh, why girls, not boys? Well, really because there are so few girl voices, I'm going to say women voices. Mm -hmm. You know, less than 24% of the news stories are about women. 
and less than 11% of women are in the positions of power. And yet, girls and women make up over half the population. So a huge story is not being told, especially not through the lens of the girls. And I, I wanted to say this also transfers over into the digital media space. You know, the, your own UK's Independent recently launched their or announced their Twitter 100. Only 18% of those voices were women, and the majority of them were celebrities and fashion people. Mm. Ah, yes, it's a hard. As lovely as they are, celebrities, not the, they yes, don't live the real. <laughs> they don't live real lives. So this is the disconnect, isn't it, from having what you think is the real world and how somebody's living uh, to what the real world is really like. <laughs> well, exactly. And a lot of our girls, you know, we really do come to the voices. Uh, we go to the girls that have the voices in the neighborhoods that are most likely not to be uh, spoken to or heard from. It's rather one of the, you know, those are the ones that are sort of pushed in the corner, quiet, quiet, we'll tell you what you're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. And out here on the web, you know, out in the US, as you've seen, we've had a lot of issues. And you see quite a bit of an uprising that's taking place, uh, because people are tired of it, they're not going to take it anymore. And the young girls are the ones who are finding the courage to take their mics and tell the stories. Interesting. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, the, these things happen and somebody gets a mobile phone out and suddenly the whole world knows some terrible situation that's happening that you, you wouldn't get to hear. But it's interesting that girls are grabbing the mic and grabbing the camera and uh, in charge of the story. That That's such a shift, as you're saying, with so many women leaders in charge of what is chosen to be spoken about or an expert to be spoken to. So it must be having an effect. So what's happening to these girls? What do you see change when you empower them like this? Well, it's been extraordinary. You know, at this Girls Govern event, we started as young as uh, Adorable Christian Harold, who is an eighth grade student council member, who is extraordinary leading change at her school, to Madison Kimry, who is going to be 15%, who are tackling issues like the tampon tax, Um, You know, things that to the rest of us may seem so insignificant, but to these young women, something like a tampon tax, it impacts their ability to get, you know, uh, feminine hygiene products, which Mm. means that they, it it minimizes the opportunity for teen pregnancy, which as we know, can end up shifting and changing a girl's life dramatically. Well, you know, but I don't know if it's just me, but back in the day, I wouldn't, if, I, if I'd come across that issue, I wouldn't have thought to do anything about it, other than talk right. to my friends about it. I, would, I wouldn't have thought that I had any power to do anything or I'd ask my parents to do something. But is it, are they, is it because the, the, the technology's there to give them the voice or have we, if the times change that they feel that they could say it? I think it's a combination of both, which is that's where I think it's really exciting. So often one can have the technology and still have that point of, oh, my gosh, I can't do anything. Mm. But now I think more and more girls are really starting to speak up and realizing, oh, my gosh, this thing that I walk around with in my hand and in my pocket, this is my lens upon the world. And I can use it as a microphone and extension. And then I can hit send in social media and my friends, my network, those of my friends who don't feel comfortable to speak. I can speak for them and they will take the word and they will spread it. So it's it's really an exciting time to that standpoint. So if uh, young girls listening to this and you know not involved in any way in your in your program how could they get empowered? I mean uh, you know 
I don't know if their mothers are in their 40s, they're more likely to be engaged with social media. It seems to me that, you know, as people get a bit older, they go, oh, social media, I don't understand. So you can't look to an older mother or, or a, an elder figure for help. But where can they get help from to get started, you know? Um, so if you go to, quite honestly, if you go to um, globalgirlmedia.org and there's a tab called Girls Govern, we actually have put our curriculum for shooting a quick, simple, simple two-minute video mm-hmm. about how to set up an interview or set up a set up the structure of the um, conversation that you can have, and then tell you how to post it. So it's very simple, one, two, three, basic information. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't. It's, it's great. They don't need the parent to understand it to get on. Nope. This is the thing. Nope. It's straight in there with their voice. That's brilliant. Well, I think in a future show, it will be great to focus on and maybe uh, have an interview from one of your girls. I think that will be wonderful to have a perspective from somewhere in the world, like Morocco or somewhere. Uh, I have a report. Kate, I am so pleased I got hold of you today. Thank you for making time to speak with me. That's brilliant. Thank you, Gina. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to share the word. And on my mic. I thought today's show was very powerful. We've had three conversations with three different guests in three countries talking about the challenges facing young teen girls and what we can do to help shift them from being vulnerable and influenced to having a voice, feeling empowered and inspired and being more the influencer. Jane Kenyon's intervention that helps girls move away from self-harming and depression and start to put their hand up in class instead of shrinking away with a low self-esteem is really inspiring. She presented a sorry picture of the reality of not all, but many young girls experiencing trauma every day as they anxiously navigate their way through school and social media. And this is particularly difficult when so many parents don't understand the full extent of the trouble. How do we even count how many girls are being affected. But it is fantastic, the intervention that Jane described, having a big sister to provide a listening ear for what's troubling them and then opening their eyes to new possibilities, new role models, new ways of seeing the world and seeing the real world, not the distorted one through the eyes of a celebrity or unreal images in magazines. The media industry does have a lot to answer for. Some new media like the fashion magazine Honoré, where the team of women want to delight in the same way as Vogue magazine does, but also to inspire, inform and show a real world with real girls and women. The second issue of the magazine is out in September and I do encourage you to look for one. And I love the initiative Kate talked about, putting a microphone or a video camera phone in a girl's hand and giving her a voice. It's a start. There's more to do here to protect girls and boys. And this is where we need to be creative and empower the young so that they are more confident to share what's important for them. Well, that's the end of the show now. Coming up next week, we'll be talking uh, about different styles of communication, confidence. There'll be an episode about the effect daughters have on fathers. I'm going to be doing a special report on Rome, where I'll be attending the WIN, the Women's International Network Conference there. Um, Do take a moment to share your feedback with me and any stories today or anything you feel affected by, you know, if it's meant something to you, do let me know. I'd love to hear from you. An email at Gina at GinaLazenby.com or tweet me at GinaLazenby and remember that the Rise to the Feminine Radio has a Facebook page. Well, that's it for now. It's time to close the show. Please do invite friends to listen as well. And until next week, stay well and thank you very much for joining me on the Rise of the Feminine. 
We hope that you've enjoyed the program this week. Be sure to tune in to The Rise of the Feminine with Gina Lazenby every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.